Hey friends, welcome to uh, part three of our podcast with Tom Thatcher. Uh, we really hope you've enjoyed it. We, uh, we really enjoyed talking to him. Uh, like I said, let us know if you have thoughts about whether you like this in longer or shorter formats. Is it better to be in 25 and 30 minute formats or is it better when it stretches out and takes a full hour up? Uh, we're still experimenting and learning about this and I uh, hope you guys really enjoyed it. That's our first break we've ever taken. I know, I was it's like, just getting so long. I, was, I couldn't <laughs> pay attention, I couldn't listen to people man. anymore because I was like, You guys like, are so engaging. Pete so, was like coming so, out. So engaging. <laughs> His practice were flipped. So um, Justin, had a, Justin had a question related to what we're talking yeah. about that gets us to another area of Tom's expertise, which is biblical studies. Yeah, yeah. this is what we should really be talking to you about. Because the whole time. The, we can do this as a you do wear a lot of hats, though. Like, you've been asked uh, to... I it, do. In the top, in the, on topic, you've been asked to wear a lot of hats outside of your authority as a biblical, biblical <laughs> yeah. expert, right? What? And that's yeah. my, that was what I... My, one of my biggest takeaways from college was in my junior year, I remember thinking... Well, you have to be a theologian. Like, I was friends with Chris Keith. Me and him were good friends because our, yeah, our girlfriends Keith, were awesome. roommates. And yeah. uh, girlfriends, not wives. And uh, and so I was, I mean, he was so smart and he was a scholar. And I was like, I, that, my brain just doesn't operate that way. Yeah. And I was real nervous. And then I realized one day, and it wasn't until a couple years into ministry that, oh, man, God's given me some certain gifts that I can use. But being a scholar isn't one of them. But I have so yeah. many friends who are. Yeah. Yeah, scholars who I can at any moment say, "Hey, I'm thinking this. What do you think? Can you give me stuff?" Like Stuart Penwell is great at that, and Chris Stuart. and Jody and all these people, where I can just send them an email and they'll fire right back something. I'm like, "Oh, well, I have unlimited access to brilliant minds. Yeah, I don't have to be a brilliant mind in my in of you, myself. You don't have to worry about that. Okay. The music won't catch on. Got it. Um, but anyways, so but yeah, I think that's. So my question was, what was your question? going back oh, to what you said earlier, Jesus I actually didn't really, I knew that Peter definitely, because he writes about it, certainly, and uh, other, for, I knew it was a first century thought that, hey, yeah. Jesus has come back anytime, but I actually never knew that Jesus himself would have thought that. Um, well, and I don't know if you'd see Jesus talking as much about it in terms of me coming back, um, more in terms of. Um, this idea that so the so I think the basic minds and this is not just in Jesus this is in Judaism of that time and he picks up on it and amplifies it is that God made the world perfect he made the world to be just um, and everything right in it that's the Garden of Eden thing yeah. right and it's gonna be that way which is new again. creation yeah he's yeah. gonna get he's gonna make it that way again so in fact dude this ties back to the thing we're talking about the church because um, this has really over the last few years especially colored my perspective on what the church is supposed to be doing so his overall vision is um we're going to live in a world that is completely just forever uh, one way or another mm -hmm. so the best thing you can do right now is start living like, like that. that right so but that has a future into the present yeah. but that has um Unfortunately, man, the church has kind of institutionalized that and turned it into like you should have an Israeli flag and all this kind of stuff yeah. like this. When <laughs> it, the way I think it works for him is what you see in his ministry. So, in, so ideally, if you're a person of faith, you want to your your goal in life as a Christian is you want to get out of this world and live in a world forever where there are no sick people and there are no poor people and there's no no people who don't have drinking water and there's nobody who is um there's no pain as like revelation says there's no tears but right. there's there's no tears because everybody has what they need 
and nobody feels like they're being screwed and nobody nobody is um, in a situation where they do more work than the than the guy at the top of the company but he makes 10 or 12 percent of the revenues for the company just because he happens to be at that level if so if we're going to live in a world like that forever why don't we start living that way now like if, if heaven is so great why don't you start living like that right now mm -hmm. right. and that's actually what he does so if you're going to live in a if you want to live in a world forever where there are no sick people let's heal people mm. so he, if you're blind you're not blind anymore um, if you want to live in a world forever where everybody is treated as an actual equal equal with dignity as a creation in God's image, uh, why don't we go ahead and when we have dinner, let's just eat with, I'll sit down and there's tax collectors and sinners and fishermen and the, and the religious leaders and also the prostitutes. We'll just all eat dinner together. Right. Because that's how it's going to be forever, right? If forever, if heaven is so great, let's live that way now. And I think that's what you actually see portrayed in the glimpses we get of the life of the early church too um in like the book of acts and in the various letters or what it's supposed to be sharing that, all things having all things. well not even well not even just just like we we take care of each other because in that world man this is one of the things that kind of bugs me is um it's more of a pet peeve but you have to be in this mindset to embrace it we talk all the time about um there's there's like people come to your church, like there's church world and then there's the real world. Right. Right. Okay? And we'll say, but you know, in the real world, you know, it's great to talk about this here, but in the real world, yeah, it's X. Okay. And what we're doing, when we say it is say that the world that's going to, like you talked about people, the world that is going to be destroyed, that's going to be melted down and rebuilt. That's the real one. Yeah. Man, the real one is the one right. that's going to be here forever. So, so what's happening in this community when people come together and actually love each other as Christ did, which is his commandment to us, or where people um, love their neighbor as themselves, that is the real world. And the fact that the church, that Christians don't embrace that, I think is a lot of the reason we're not, we're not effective. That's the, dude, that's the countercultural piece you talked about. If it's embracing, it is gonna be the case, whether we like it or not, that at one point in time, there are not going to be children who are being abused right? forever. That is the norm that God set up. And because he's God, that's how it's going to be. So if that's how you want to be for the 10,000 times 10,000 years, why not be that way right now? Right now? But man, that's the, that's the, that's where, so back to what you guys said earlier, a lot of the, a lot of the more corporate approaches to church fail in that because they don't have an apparatus to disentangle. Dude, the, the cultural pressure is so, yeah. so great. You know, dude, one time, can I tell you like a 30-second story? No, damn, dude. So I went out one time to um, see some friends who run a, a big multi-site church in Overland Park, Kansas. And I was actually talking to them about possibly working for them. And um, they're great guys. They're just great people that have taught me a lot about the church. And Overland Park is like, you know, it's in across from Kansas. It's in Kansas City. So like Kansas City is like all of the regional headquarters of every company in yeah. the middle of the, in the middle of the country. You yeah. know, it's like their offices are either everybody's offices regionally are either in Kansas City or Omaha, right? So um, they were taking me around and it so happened that Sprint has their national headquarters in Overland Park. And man, so they're like uh, well, I'll take you over and show you the Sprint thing. I was like, why do you want to show me that? Well, it's because, like, this is a, there's something like 15,000 employees on this campus. 
and it's it's a camp. It's not like yeah. a building. It's yeah. like they have acres and acres with just dozens of high-rise buildings. And so they're driving me through here, and they're all Sprint. It's all one company. They're like, you know, and there's a health club they have here, yeah. and there's a child care building court. here, and there's a food court here. It's this massive thing. And all around it, so you have all these multi blocks and blocks and acres of land that is mm -hmm. this thing. That's all there, and all around it, across the street, is this massive shopping mall, you know, and one high-end chain restaurant after another, and every high-end store, and like a ring around this thing, and beyond that is this ring of real high-end suburban homes. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's just so explicit. If you looked at that on Google Earth, yeah, it is so obvious that this company is saying to you, if you give us the best of yourself, this is what you'll get. So you're going to spend 50 or 60 hours a week in the middle of the bullseye. Company store. Yeah, but we'll give you all of the rest. You can have the you can have the Abercrombie and you can have the um, you know Applebee's and you can have this you can have all of that in what and <laughs> what remains. So these guys are showing me this, and we went to dinner at one of these places across the street, and I said, "What are you guys saying about this? Like, what is your yeah? The, just the crushing force of a person who goes into that complex every day." all of the values that they're taught and that are drilled into them and the exchange. Like, so if you become this for Sprint, you can have that over there. What are you guys saying to that? And, um, and these are really sharp dudes. Yeah. I mean, they both got, they're well-educated and they're really, really theologically deep. They didn't, they didn't even really understand the question. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I think, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. what, no, what are you, it. what is your message that you're speaking, not speaking against it, but just if a person is spending that much time engrossed in, in that, that world, world and then they come to you on Sunday, what happens is your church is just like Applebee's and Abercrombie and everything else that's around that circle. And we'll give you a really cool church to go to right. too. Right. And so like, that's where that mess, that's where I think the eschatological message of Jesus can get lost if you don't have a voice where you're where you're saying to people listen this is not what this is so when the that's Brueggemann's system yeah right. he, he's done a great job of highlighting this point that like when the world ends okay and and people have this dude I have this I'm a visual thinker so like uh, people have this image that you know of Jesus coming back or the world ending and the airplanes are crashing, yeah. and all the and all the whorehouses are shutting down, and the porn theaters are <laughs> oh, gone, man. and all that stuff. <laughs> I thought know. it was supposed to be better. You know, um, the Museum of Modern Art, man, is burning <laughs> up, and this, you know, all of that the stuff is floor burning of the art up. But done. creation museums everywhere. <laughs> Oh, man. Hey, man, more practice. Remarkable, Re remarkable, right? remarkable. Um, but dude, when it when that comes, it's not gonna. It's gonna start at the front gate store, and. <laughs> At yeah. the shopping malls and on Rodea Drive. That's the first places they're going to melt yeah. when he comes back. And all that stuff that we have done to get to that point is just going to be gone. Yeah. yeah, it's really hard, man, to embrace. This is such that's an... Paul's, that's Paul's thing in Corinthians, right? Like one escaping through the fire. Like that, the, exactly. the work is going to burn away. Well, you know, there's a, for some reason I was reflecting recently, too, on um, Paul's statement that we brought nothing into this world. I think in Greek it literally says because we brought nothing into this world because we're going to take nothing out. Mm. And but man, if you really embrace that, you know that you you're not going to take anything with you, nothing. Mm. So a hundred years from now, everything I have, like ranging from my resume to my LinkedIn page to my 
my house to my retirement account to you're not going to have any of that mm-hmm. so if you start thinking through like i'm looking around the room we're in here did all the cool stuff you got in here thinking, okay so when i die i can take this one thing right yeah. you can't take one none of it you can't take one so that's the message i think that jesus is bringing is you're not going to take one thing out mm-hmm. what you're going to take out is yourself so where are you going to be and what's that going to be and that's really where the the church in America has probably, f- to the extent that it fails to live up to that earlier message, yeah. that's where it's failing. It's But it, it's part of the challenge of disassociating ourselves from this co- larger cultural reality. Well, the enticement's so great not to, right? Well, man, yeah. You can go to the, you can go to the big churches that say every dime you've made you've earned because God rewards your hard work with financial success like all these the message is mm. it's been very easy for the culture to co-opt the church and to preach and we we dressed it up so much that people when you say to the people oh what if what if God has called you to care about the least of these over top of your finance that it may in fact cost, did following Jesus may in fact cost you something Oh yeah, you're gonna have to spend months breaking that message well man even that years and like uh, the other I think another challenge Am, am I boring you yet? No way, man. So another I'm just sitting here thinking like... Another big challenge the American, church, the American church faces is we come in a culture, we're in an industrialized culture where everything comes on the off the rack. Right. So like even the people, if we looked at people in our, in, in our culture that are like, well, they're really original people, um, they're actually not. Because every, you know, if you're a... Uh, even you guys, I mean, there you are a certain type of church. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You're an original in your own context, but there's a million other like you. There's yeah. thousands of others like you, right? Doing what you guys are doing, you know. And I can feel like, you know, uh, you know, I can go to Hot Top and get a T-shirt. And when I wear out, I'm the only person Edgy. wearing yep. that particular T-shirt. But I still bought it off the rack in Hot Topic. It was mass produced. And Hot Topic is owned by this larger parent corporation. It's mass produced. Right. Everything's mass produced. All Navy and Hot Topic. Right. So, um, and Hot Topic's great. I spend a lot of money there because my daughter loves it. It's great. Now we lost all of our but, Hot Topic but followers. No, Hot Topic's great. <laughs> Dude, a lot of my money goes to Hot Topic. I love that store. Cause I like, but I'm just saying, it's not. you're not different because you go there. Well. And so if you say, well, uh, you see this come up like politically. like In fact, right now, I'm thinking about this because tonight uh, Trump is coming to Cincinnati. Cincinnati. And I actually saw him speak over the summer. Um, and whether you like him or not, I actually liked uh, Bernie Sanders. Both he and Trump, the message was basically there's something different. But you could still categorize them because... The spectrum of difference in our culture is so narrow. Mm. So when you come along and you do, one of the things about Jesus that's always intrigued me about him is how original he was. Like mm. the, the stuff he says just doesn't make any sense at any level of his culture. Right. Uh, we talked about that in the one class. We went through this exercise where you compare like how different groups would have responded to him. Nobody likes him because right. he says things that the rich people don't like. He says things that the religious leaders don't like. Then so like the poor people and the outsiders love him, but then he turns around and tells them things that they're like, I can't do that. Right. And he ends up on a cross because of that because he just the system can't handle him, and that's where we don't have a brand of Christianity that um, the system can't handle because it really what we're after is the system. I think that all the time that, and I don't know what to do with it. I think all the time that the church, the our political system does not see the church as a threat. No, and oh, if no. the church is not a threat to the political system, it's failed. The church has failed in some key parts of its witness. 
that we don't know. I I invited you to go to that Prophets of Rage concert with us. Unbelievable, right? Tom Morello is a Tom yeah, is a visionary guitar player. Chuck D is a visionary rapper. But they are still packaging Rebellion in, in a, a way. In a they, they pulled you into a they pulled you into a space defined by a fence that you had to have fifty five dollars to get into. Yeah. Right. So none of the none of the poor people that they're they're representing can no. even get close. It was it was an Anderson. If you were if you were downtown living, they represent themselves, man. Right. But if you're downtown living underprivileged lives in poverty, you can't afford. Do you it. want to burn the system? You can't even get to Anderson. You can't get anywhere close. Now at the same time, at the end of that concert, if they'd said we're gonna go downtown and burn it down today, I'm in because they're so good at their art. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like they they were compelling that I was going to I was willing to follow their message. But they were still packaging rebellion for middle class white kids. Yeah, because that's who buys it. And it's yeah. not even middle class white kids anymore. It's dudes like me who are almost forty who were middle class white kids Back when they came the out. When, when, uh, they now were we're all out. middle management. Now we're all dudes wearing khakis and polos to rage against the machine concerts. And I don't know what to do with that world. Like the the it's the guy Just it's the guy in front of, or the guy in front of you wearing the Che Guevara t shirt. Like, come on. <laughs> That's why I wear a T-shirt of Che Guevara, man. I love that dude. That he bought at Old Navy on a T-shirt that she bought at Old Navy. Right. That's why I don't participate in anything. Corporates. Che Guevara died. Che Guevara lost. Right. He's a product now. Well, the CIA killed him, man. He bought the system. But now that now his picture is like commoditized. Oh, hey, one more question. Yeah, then we got it. What? So what then? I think we should cut this in two. Yeah, we can go like four hours. What then do you think? The you know going back to I guess the term American Church or where we're at now, is the you know I talked earlier about what Brueggemann had said, but what would in your opinion be like? Hey, this is uh, that that town that you were talking about the, here in Cincinnati in particular. Yeah, yeah. What is the system that you feel like Cincinnati itself, churches wise? Hey, we need to be breaking. We need to be looking at. We need to be. Yeah, man. So here's here's. This is another thing, Jason, I've talked about too before. Um, so what the reason I think that Jesus was successful, and I don't mean as as uh, a, as yeah. God and in, in his salvific work, I mean in, in creating a movement that is still a global movement that is the largest religious movement in history, um, is that his, and this is something that some people would disagree with me about, but that's cool because people disagree with me about a lot of stuff, is that his <laughs> message... I actually think the re- it worked because he didn't say you have to break the system. Mm-hmm. Um, he never started a revolution and never tried to. He never, um, he never, he never fought the system as another piece of the system. I think the genius of what he did was said. So as individuals, we're going to have to participate. We have to live in this world. Right. You can't get out of it. Right. So. You're never going to not be in a category. So you can be, you know, you could be like the Unabomber living in a cabin. And there were people like that living right. out of Qumran, right? The Dead Sea Scrolls. Even then, you're still part of that system. It just has margins and you can live on the margins. You're never going to get out of it. But what you can do as an individual within it is refuse to um, participate in it or to extend it. So, like, I got to go to work, man. People got to work and they got to make money and they got to spend 40 hours a week. So, well, I think what he did was he envisioned a way that if I'm a barista at downtown Starbucks, okay, you got to do that. And Starbucks is a mega global corporation that despite all of its, um, all the stuff about justice and all that stuff, okay, go down to Guatemala and you'll see what that looks like on the back end of those people. Right. Okay. So, so, so I can say, well, I'm not going to go to Starbucks, so I can't work at Starbucks because they 
they charge four dollars for this coffee and these farmers make four dollars a day to grow it okay well then you have no job so i think what he says is okay in that context how about if you become a servant to those other people so that you use that as a way to transcend it from inside that's the beauty of his system so if i say to you i really what i really want you to do is to love other people and and affirm them and i'm not trying to say this sounding like sappy like that's no, what no, I want. that's I'm what calling. you do um you eat with sinners right okay why don't you do that and do that in a way that expresses um who god is not in a not in a message just this is how i am this because I this am. is who god is i don't and I, may, I never even tell you that but i'm going to show patience and love and care to you Okay. Well, as soon as I do that, I've broken the system. Yeah. If I'm not there to profit, although I look like I'm still a part of it because I'm still working there and getting a paycheck. And I think that's the, that's the genius of what he does is creates this way that as an individual, I can't change how that all operates. Right. I, dude, if you are living in America, you are a part of the most powerful imperial economy that's ever existed. There'll never be anything like this again. Right. Okay. Everything we have, we have because somebody in China is is in a position if they don't go to work, they're gonna either lose their job or they're gonna be beaten. Right. That is a fact. There's no there's no way around it. So I could look at that and say, Oh my gosh, I'm complicitous with all of this. Okay, yeah, you are. I can't change the world, but I can change that one person. Right. So I can't fix the what's going on with people in China, but I can I can uh, show kindness to Chinese people that live around me right. when I encounter them, and then that individual that individual transaction overcomes that in a way that because man, there's a few people that might be able to really change the system, but honestly, I don't think anybody could change right. it at this point, and Trump ain't gonna change it either. It's just not well, going to happen that it's going to change. Trump so like, is the, he's the he's the he's the essence of the system. He, what about smaller? Although systems? ironically, his message is, "Hey, I'm going to break it." Right, but you can't break it. Right. Yeah, man. We have a guy at our church that really struggles with the idea that I'm on our local community council because he sees it as me being in bed with the powers and the principalities. And you are, but I mean, but if you're not, but, then but, that but when I go there, I'm not advancing the agenda. I'm not trying to to pad my own, I'm, and not that yeah. we have any power to do that at our community council. But my thing is, the question I was asking is, how can I serve? Right. What can I do to help? Well, how can we be helpful? One thing we struggle with, this has just been my personal issue with things at church lately, is we have all these people who have really good um, uh, motivations. So we have one girl who's like, man, really into what's going on at Standing Rock. She was there this past weekend taking supplies. We have someone who, a guy who's always been, had a That's huge great. heart for uh, sexual trafficking in Ohio, Indiana. And Go Kentucky. for it, man. Another, uh, I've been connected with Black Lives Matter lately. We have another girl on our leadership team who she is, ma'am, has huge heart for uh, um, Syrian refugees. Syrian refugees. Oh, and so, but I don't know what Lebanon Community Church can do about any of these things. Uh, and that's what's hard because, you know, one girl's like, hey, can we give money to Standing Rock? It's like, we don't really have money to give, but, you know, we can collect jackets or whatever else you want. Yeah. Um, but, and it seems like these other organizations that, uh, you know, have nothing to do with Jesus at all are doing great things for, like Black Lives Matter, for example. They're, they're really trying to help uh, a lot of things happen in Cincinnati. So... I sometimes don't know the church's role or our as an individual small church. But, what our and what I think can the tension do. is because like what you said earlier, the church adopted a corporate model. Corporate corporations give, right? Mm-hmm. I don't. We we don't know. So what my the little thing I've tried to do that church is to say to that person, okay, well, what are you doing about it? 
how does the church come alongside to partner with you on right. that? And I don't actually, so we have a, we have a guy at our church that um, came to us and said, I'd like to lead the Dave Ramsey classes. Great. Twice. And I said, cool. I think Dave Ramsey's a, a jerk sometimes, man. I don't, his, he's entirely too comfortable with sort of American Jesus capitalism. talks more about money than he does about love. Now the flip side of that. That's my Dave Ramsey. Are you good? It's good. Flip side of that is, flip side of this, man, that dude loves it. That dude loves Dave Ramsey. He loves right. what it does for their family. I'm encouraging him because he's a part of our church and he's serving other people doing that. Yeah. I don't actually need to get into the other bigger question. Well, in our church, if you want to start anything, you can do it. Yeah, it's just when that. you ask us. And, and last I, I, I took the Dave Ramsey class and loved it. Nothing has been as good for mine and Kim's marriage as doing that damn Dave Ramsey class. I love that. Dude, same. I, that that was like really yeah. busted. And listen, too, like to anybody Ramsey's who... lost all of our Dave Ramsey followers. <laughs> I love Dave Ramsey. I just saved my life. Like, <laughs> you guys, um, people who, who want to embrace like being involved in the cause should be. If they feel that on their heart, that's what they're called to be. And that's, and that's like you said, that's, that's essential to our role in proclaiming justice. But at the same time, at the end of the day, man, it's the day-to-day interactions with yeah, the hundreds of people we encounter right. where the kingdom of God becomes real. Yeah. Not in a way that says, like, hey, come to my church. That just says, it's that other piece that is embedded in um, corporate church culture that our goal is to get, is to sell. Right. And that's true. you got to bring, you got to tell people about Christ. But if I, um, if I see that a server at a restaurant is having a bad day, and they don't treat me that great, and I give them a 25% tip because they didn't treat me great, and I can see they're having a bad day. I'm not gonna. I'm not the guy that's gonna write a little cross on the <laughs> thing or give them a tract with a credit card. I'm just gonna give you that money as an affirmation of who you right. are. And whether that person ever comes to church or not is not the reason I'm doing that. I'm right. doing that because yeah. I am the person that goes to church, church, and I'm gonna yeah. put the kingdom of God in front of you. Yeah, we had this, in this reality. Whether you whether you did anything with it or not, we had this like college-age employee who was really into Bernie Sanders and always talking about, like, helping. I'm like, oh, man, this is cool, man, and, like, fair trade and direct trade and all this other stuff. But he was an asshole to every customer who came in there. And one day I said to him, he didn't work anymore, I was like, dude, you talk a really good game about these big things that help people, but you can't be nice to the person who comes in to get their coffee right in front of you. Like, that's it. it was mind-blowing to him. He was like, what? I mean, that's the person you're really going to change. And if so, eventually, man, if you could do that with a million people, now you've actually changed the whole system. Oh, just the hundred. I mean, so God's God's grace does for the hundred fifty people that come to our little church. That's a that's a life's work, right? Being walking with those people, and and I think one of the things yeah, that's how I always one of the things that we do. I can stay sane and do it. One of the things that we do too is to say we're we're walking that same walk too, right? I'm not. I haven't. I haven't attained the kingdom of God. I'm not. I'm not who Jesus wants me to be I mean, today. I am, but... Right. <laughs> Between the two of us, yeah. you're probably a lot closer. Not. Whatever. I'm the one that's that makes true. you believe. You know, that's people true. get mad at what I do. Um, all right, that's probably all the time we have. We're gonna have you back because this is <laughs> awesome. This is fun. Um, you're, this is eventually the most preachy podcast ever had, which is Jesus one. It's really good. No, man, I'm like soaking it in the whole entire time. Just from you, man. Everything we do is because of things we learn from it you. It is true. You well, particularly, not you, you in guys, general. Uh, you, you particularly. You guys me, man. And I mean that seriously. I'm, no, it's, I'm so it's encouraged. Awesome. I'm, shaking, always, yeah. I'm shaking their hands right yeah. now. Because you guys are awesome people. Oh, but, I didn't tell this story. I should tell this story because it's worth telling. Earlier this year, I get a random phone call 
from Tom that says, Jason, do you want to go see Slipknot and Marilyn Manson with me at Riverbend? You didn't get to go, dude. My, yeah, first, yeah. my first thought was, no, I don't really yeah. like these bands, but I enjoy hanging out with Tom so much that uh, we went, and I had the best time at that <laughs> I was concert. Man. I, <laughs> Tom, dude, Tom, I was just going for a Tom got to see me go to a mosh pit for the first time in like 20 years. I was stunned and it by turned me the into, aggression. I went to all these heavy metal shows this time. I, went to, I saw Guns N' Roses. <laughs> I, saw, I bought my oldest son to to see Metallica in May this year, and so oh my gosh! But dude. it was the first Temple time I ever. Dog. I saw him. Um, kind of. No, more like I don't know if you remember. But anyway, so <laughs> if you've heard me tell a story about why I went to Slipknot, Marilyn Manson, it was with. Hey Tom. man, I, I I learned a lot that, through that experience, brother. Well, hey, thanks guys yeah, for having me too. This is a blast. We're gonna have our band play us off. Oh sweet! <laughs> you motherfuckers need Jesus. Then you.